Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Priest of Dispatches podcast. Congratulations, you found us again. This episode we have the Britvengers coming together uh, to examine what was a lacklustre visit from three apostles to the UK in what was dubbed the British Rescue, um, which would probably better off being dubbed the British Disaster. This episode was recorded on November 15th, 2021. Anyway, thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And without further ado, the Britvengers, take it away. This is Dispatcher's channel. As usual, please like and subscribe. Um, and this evening, we are privileged to have with us the Britvengers. Everyone say hello. Hello. Awesome. Now be quiet. Um, so we're following up the visit of the three apostles last Halloween, um, two weeks ago now. And in true rescue style, something that we weren't expecting was a church historian to make his way across the pond and share with us some gems. Um, his name was Keith Erickson, and between the 6th of November and the 14th of November, he has been touring the UK, um, giving conferences or devotionals um, to all different audiences from youth and YSA to church leadership, specifically to gospel doctrine teachers, and then to the general membership. Um, these conferences have been in Belfast, Glasgow, and this weekend there was three in Chorley. The Britvengers, as usual, have had their finger on the pulse, um, and we have attended five out of six of the conferences and managed to take part in all of them. Um, we have video footage of four of them. Um, all of the questions and answers will be available um, on the channel after this video, um, but that's really lengthy. Um, there was a lot, a lot covered. But what we want to do tonight in short form, Peter, is to <laughs> uh, just give a, a flavor of what, what happened, um, our opinions on how that might affect us or the membership here in the UK, if it was helpful or not, um, and just let you know that we've got you covered. You don't have to go and sit through it all. We're about to give you uh, all killer, no filler, because there was a lot of word salad. <laughs> right then. Um, I'm just going to go across the bottom and let everyone know we've got Jane from 21st Century Saints, Nemo the Mormon, just hit 5,000 subscribers. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Bleakley. <laughs> um, Peter Bleakley. I'll, I'll work War. on that. I'm here representing my wife. Yeah, and then we've got the celestial couple we all want to be, Laura and Julian Heath. Awesome. Okay, uh, so we've we've got a uh, a video that Peter's put together that gives us an introduction to Keith. Um, but I think before we start any of this, it's worth having a short conversation about our impressions um, of Keith before we get into any of it. So you guys know where we're coming from on this. Um, so I will open it up to the forum. Impressions of Keith. <laughs> well, you might have to do an impression of Keith. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I thought he was awesome. He he was and normally um apologists or historians for the church are incredibly angry and defensive. <laughs> um or but his whole demeanor was ask me anything, I'll deal with it. And all throughout he took really difficult questions and he he took time where where he had sessions we had more time to give answers. He he seemed to be doing his level best to nuance to or to extract from the questions all the different aspects that there were to them and try and offer something helpful, um, which was incredibly refreshing. I thought this was astonishing um, and really modelled as he wanted it to because he kept saying, you've got to deal with this now. I'm not here all your lives sort of thing. Here's how to just not be scared and have the conversation and create that space. And I think he really modelled that well. But... As we'll see, he was still severely limited in the the honesty or the, the the depth of information or responses he could give to a lot of those questions. Um, so overall, I thought this was a huge step forward, yet frustratingly still not enough quite to actually stop people leaving the church when they really understand the history that he was referencing. That was yeah, and he's, he's got a good sense of humour. He's definitely got a good sense of humour because uh, in one of the broadcasts, I signed in as um dan ripat uh or daniel ripat uh the surname being tape backwards and halfway through reading my question or you know me reading my question out uh he noticed the name i was under and a, a smile emerged across his face and he got it <laughs> so he was he was there to be to be friendly um but unfortunately he's between the rock and the hard place that all apologists are between the hard place being the church's inability to take criticism and the rock being the members with their questions. Yeah. It'd be really interesting, wouldn't it, to know what kind of brief um, he gets for that. You know, you get the sense at times where he would say more, <laughs> he would say something different, but obviously he can't, mm. you know, he can't be completely himself. And I think you have to, Again, going back to what what um, Peter said, I think he said Lynn. Then um, going back to what Peter said, you know, he did a great job, um, given that he was doing a, a very very he was put in a very difficult position. Yeah, I, I concur. I mean, I think he uh, very very likable character. <clears throat> I think I don't know again what his briefing was before he came, or if he anticipated the level of questions that he was getting. I was really surprised at the kind of questions he was getting. But he didn't seem phased. I mean, if he if he was inside thinking, oh, crap, what's going on? It didn't seem to show and he Not kind of rolled with it. And uh, he got through his first session over at Belfast and they didn't change the format so that it wasn't open questions. He remained open. And yeah, I really like that about him. I think if I was going to do an impression of him, it would be. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, and good sure. luck. Good luck, because that's you know that was his response to everything. When you know you're really listening to him, thinking, "Whoa, you know, how's he going to deal with that?" And every time he kept his composure. Said, great question, and then went straight into it. So yeah, and I, I think it's important to note that in the um, promotional material that was distributed, the very rare distribution of promotional material, it. It did say we will ask, you know, we will answer these questions, even the hard ones. So I feel like he was totally prepared. He certainly um, didn't seem phased by anything. And 
you know, some of those questions, most of those questions, certainly in the last meeting, it was hardball. Um, you know, people were asking the tough stuff. And so I, I and he, I, I liked the fact that um, although maybe the answers weren't all satisfactory to the audience, um, you know, he, he didn't shame anyone for asking them, which is huge. Mm. And I think what, what we could credit where credit's due if you look at Coventry Stake and their open forums that they started um I saw a lot of that in the, in these uh broadcasts which you know like all good things in the church often starts at grassroots so maybe it was filtered up that that was working and so that it could go ahead can I just can I just, just oh, um, based on, on what you said there Jane um how was it distributed? How, how was it advertised and put out there? Because um, with the exception of the, the last session, it didn't seem like there was a, a large number of um, attendees. I only found out about it through through you guys. Um, so do we know how, how was it, the word kind of put out there? So I could I maybe speak to that first? Because this is the thing that has been most frustrating to me. I, I'm I'm so delighted that this weekend happened. I think we all are, right? I mean, this mm. this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm. I have really struggled to get past the fact that, okay, th just to sort of bring the personal side of things in here. So my son has um he's he's 25 years old and he has asked me not, <laughs> not to speak about his job online because they get trained not to um so i'm going to i'm going to do what i said i wouldn't do um he serves in the british army um and he's you know he's not long there and and um so i'm really sorry but i feel like i have to to illustrate this point that he's really far away you know he's he's down in england and he is of age to be able to join in the glasgow ysa group he's down there serving with some fantastic guys from fiji um some of the best examples of what our church can be and uh, and so th there's a bunch of guys who are, who are like okay oh this is happening this is really interesting you know because he's he, he's I found out from me um and, and when i'm trying to get information about okay there, there's this you know my, my son would would like to attend I, the information uh, you know I, I was asking sort of the bishop's family and i was told to ask the state presidency uh, and sort of this was on a sunday right before it was happening so we weren't going to get to access this even online um and and i was gutted you know, it's it's when people actually want to attend stuff from our church. Do you know how hard it is to get people through those bloody doors? And here is something really interesting. Now, I think what's behind that is that I think our, our, our friend Keith came over with all of these great intentions to ask these great questions. But I think at a local level, it makes our leaders on a local level really nervous. And so I think, um, you know, who who is this um, this guy who wants to come? Well, he's, I don't know him. He's not been to church in a wee while. Um, he, he's not someone who is maybe a safe person. Do we want to give him this link? So as far as I'm aware, people who, you know, I, I'm in the Glasgow stake. I, I, I couldn't even observe. 
you know, it was for YSA, it was for my son's age, but I couldn't even report back to him to tell him how it went. And that is so devastating as someone who, you know, I, I get so frustrated about this. We, we're supposed to be a missionary church. And when it comes to actually, mm. you know, inviting people in, we are terrible at it. So, yeah, I feel like the publicity for all of them, most members, I think, didn't know about it. I think more members knew about the final one yesterday, which was mm. sort of more for general membership. Um, I do think people tried to stick to their lane. So the YSA, or, you know, would have been told and would have been the people focusing on first sort of the Glasgow stake, what else? Parents and leaders um, were yesterday morning. So I, I think people avoided going to sessions that weren't for them. But even taking that into account, the numbers of people attending was so low. It was Probably. sort of 40 to 50 60-ish for most of them and it was and we sort of eventually saw it being advertised for the Europe area so I agree with you I mean as we're seeing in the comments my experience was my ward ended up using the the contact links I shared um, two hours before the session on Saturday State Relief Society president got hold of the data and posted it I mean, it was. It to, I agree with you. It really looks like a conspiracy to make sure no one actually heard these com difficult conversations. Um, I mean, that grade gave us a great opportunity because we turned up, and I was mainly there to listen to what other people were going to say. But there was hardly anyone there, and they weren't asking questions. So I'm like, okay, we'll give it a punt. And between us, we ended up asking about a quarter of all the questions asked. Um, and you know, to, and it, it didn't need to be like that in a sense. I mean, I thought our questions were valid and good, so I'm not ashamed of that. Um, and they were addressing the issues that always come up. Well, we're um, going to find out. Yeah. Okay. We're yeah. we're gonna we're gonna move on. Can, put... can I just say on his, his? Can I just say on his his um? What's his brief? So his job is director of historical outreach, which I think is a new calling. And while he was here, um, he was also training up local members to take on that role, to be to be called as a new calling as official communicators of to to have these conversations about history. Apologies um, in layman's terms, a, right? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, which is great because it needs happen. We need that. We need those conversations. We need to make it official. So I'm just over the moon about this because I've been pleading with any leader i can get near for ages can we please have a way to help people process the information in the gospel topics essays because there is no official pastoral support so this represents that so in that sense this is historic um are they are they pastoral change. support though or are they just but well they would have to be or, or either well of course because because knows. there's a big difference between those two things yeah. there's this person it will be a poison chalice and get and yeah. get help from uh, regarding your questions or mm. this person whose job it is to defend the church and its narrative mm. and those two things he, are very I, different things yeah. so i hope it's the former I, yeah suspected as we're gonna latter. see yeah as we're gonna see he his his vision for it at least is the is pastoral is yeah, taken he's, care he's and, and he will see him describe it yeah okay uh i'm just gonna to to drop in the the devil's advocate that uh, the pessimist would say that they they came to do a big thing and didn't publicize it so that because they didn't want all the membership in the room when they were discussing these difficult things 
And then in five years, when someone says, well, what, when are we ever going to discuss it? They'll say, well, we, we sent a church historian and he did six mm -hmm. sessions and, and, you know, toured the country. He could have gone. It was all on Zoom. Um, and we can't find, you know, the record. There's no recordings, etc. Wink. Um, so, yeah, you, you will be able to find it. Well, okay, good for we're, us. We're gonna we've, watch... we've, we've got it for everyone. So we have preserved what he said. Let's hear yes. it. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. We're going to watch this uh, part of this introduction video that Peter's kindly put together for us. Um, and we'll we'll pause and skip around a little bit. But we're going to learn a little bit more about our messenger, Keith. Several months, it has been my opportunity to meet in many gatherings with young adults and to, to answer their questions. Uh, in the past week, I've held two of these gatherings here. One was in Glasgow and the other one uh, right here in Chorley. And it's always for me exciting to, to hear what they're thinking about uh, and, and, what, and how they put things together and how they make sense of the world and, and how they think about their place in it. I'd like to give a little uh, a report or a summary about what they're asking uh, in these settings when they have a chance to ask anything they want to someone who works with church history. Uh, you know, this week they are asking me questions, and next week it will be you. And in the in future re weeks, uh, I hope that these kinds of things can be talked about in Sunday school and homes. Speak. Okay, I'm just going to pause it there um, before we move forwards a little bit. But I think the important thing, at least that stood out to me at this point, is that he is coming um, to kind of train us to deal with the issues or train train someone said that mark johnson said an army of apologists hmm. um and i don't know whether it's to to try and inoculate um because that was something that was said and kind of drag gospel doctrine teachers slightly away from i think he called them sunday school questions um and that sunday school questions only get sunday school answers um, but that the the whole point in him being here was to pass on the baton because they're not going to be coming and doing it for us. It's almost like the um, the old missionary work. Oh no, it's the it's the uh, old. Don't give a man a fish, teach him how to fish. Yeah. Um, and and he'll feed his family forever. You know, they've not come just to answer questions. They've mm -hmm. come to answer a few. But at the same time, he was giving. Um, a good hour of training at the beginning of each of these sessions before he got to the question and answer. And and as we've discussed, what a contrast this was to the three apostles who didn't give us either. <laughs> they didn't give us answers or or a vision for how to do anything differently in Britain. Um, you know, this <clears throat> was much more with the 21st century and useful than anything they said. Awesome. Um, just going to skip forward slightly um to oh it won't let me do that eat our vegetables uh with everything else there's a there's another question beneath the surface and it's about profits it's about what profits do uh, it's about uh, if if and how we can trust them and and sometimes it gets framed like this well if a church president uh started something and then another one ended it how do we know uh if what we're doing today 
what will happen to that. And so the, the more that we can, we can teach people how profits actually operate will be, will be helpful. We oftentimes uh, fill our minds and, and our lessons and our counsel more with assumptions about profits. We assume, for example, that they know everything or that they never make mistakes or that they don't have to work hard to receive revelation and all of those things just don't hold up when you're okay um i think something at, at this point to note and i think some of you might have an opinion on it as well is he's speaking there about profits and their in, um their fallibility um how they're imperfect etc and i thought through a lot of the questions he kind of came back to um this gray area of um, he called it non-binary. The church is now non-binary. It sure is. We have permission. <laughs> We've got that quote in here if you keep playing. <laughs> it's in there. Read so, the scriptures uh, or look at uh, church history. None of them are perfect. A second category is one that comes up about uh, a quarter of the time, or one out of every four questions, would be what we call just the kind of the rest of the story in they ask questions about things that don't show up uh in the curriculum so for example emma smith comes up and the question will often be framed like this well we hear about emma when the relief society is organized but what else can you tell me uh and so it's often the that they know that there's more to church history and they're just curious about the other parts of our stories they'll ask things like uh, how do I know which sources to trust? What do I do when I encounter information that I haven't known before? The young adults have responded extremely well to a setting in which they can ask questions. Uh, and some of them will say, you know, we don't have very many settings like this. Uh, to which I respond, uh, that's really too bad because every setting should be like this in our homes, in our classes. Uh, if we gather once a week for a quorum meeting or a Sunday school, I don't know what else we're doing if we're not ministering to the questions that people have. And so, how good is that? How brilliant is that? And he said that a few times. I think in closing mm -hmm. yesterday, he had said, you know, if this, if these are the types of questions that are coming up during Sunday school, fantastic. Absolutely. Julian. Yeah, I just wanted to remark on on the slide here, um, that, that third point there. Church has already published answers to 90% of questions asked. Um, and, and that just makes me think about kind of a larger thing that I want to talk about with this. And you've already mentioned it, um, PD. I, I think, so personally, I don't think the purpose of this, this set of, of meetings was to answer any questions. I, I think that the... The bit about training people, I think that's really interesting, really positive, and maybe we can get back to that later as well. Um, but I think it wasn't about answering questions. I, I think that element of it is very much to do with what you've already mentioned, PD, this idea of inoculation. I think it's very clear that a big part of this is about inoculation. So you get an expert up on the stage um, and he will pretend to to answer some of these these difficult questions and, and, and i know that sounds really negative and when, when i say pretend i just mean he's not he's not really answering them you know so when it says the church has published answers to 90 percent of the questions it doesn't mean that they're satisfactory answers it doesn't mean that they're complete answers it just means that they're they're 
their version of an answer. And, and that's what we got, I think. Um, I never asked the question. I think with all of these that were going on, every every time I thought, oh, what, what kind of question um, would I like to ask? And the question that I'd really, and I now know what it is, it's too late now, but I would I would love to have got onto the, been the first person to ask a question on one of these sessions and said, look, my question is, um, you know, I'd start as everybody does with a little bit of a preamble. I'd say, well, look, you know, I love the fact that you're, you're open to answering these really difficult questions. I think that's fantastic. Um, but my question is, when somebody has asked their question and you've attempted to answer it, can you ask them whether they're satisfied with that answer? Mm. And I think that would have been really important mm. because that's quite a natural thing to do, isn't it? To, to say, yeah. well, that's a wonderful question that you've asked me. Here is my answer. And then just to go back and say, did that answer your question? But, but we don't. We don't do that. And the reason is because it's about, it, it is this inoculation. It's about saying, right, it doesn't matter. If whatever anybody asked about, let, let's use... Um, let's use polygamy as an example. You know, whatever anybody asked about polygamy, he, know, he knows that polygamy is going to come up. Whatever someone asks, he will have a kind of a, a part answer that he will that he will deliver, and then he'll go, you know, fantastic question, uh, and move on. Um, and what that does for who I think is the intended audience of, of these videos, and it's not us. Um, let me just say, this is not about the one. <laughs> this, this is it, it, clearly this is some form of a rescue, but it's not about the one. This is about the ninety and nine. This is saying, look, we need to forget them. They've gone. We can't. There's nothing we can do about them. You know, once once they've taken that blue pill, you know, there's no there's no going back. Um, we've got to put a fence around this the, the ninety and nine here. We've got to protect them. And so what it does for them is it gives them this kind of mental cue. So that when someone says to them in a conversation, well, you know, the church isn't isn't honest. The church um, doesn't really address the, the history properly. The church, you know, there are some difficult questions that the church doesn't answer. They can go, well, that's not true. Just like you said earlier, PD, that's not true. We, we had this guy and he came over and he, people asked their questions. Um, he asked, they asked questions about polygamy. They asked questions about the book of Abraham and and Book of Mormon geography and, and, and historicity and all of those things, and he answered them. And so that uh, that's that kind of inoculation effect where it won't have the same effect on them because they'll go, it's okay, don't need to worry about that. That's been dealt with. Can I say just along those lines, though, there's still value in that because he models, it was almost like more than his content, him modelling the openness, him modelling the open the the continuing conversation. If we start getting a new narrative, you know, if we are saying it's for the ninety nine, if the ninety nine get a new narrative for themselves, which is these conversations aren't frightening, they're not too scary, we can carry them on. That's still valuable. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree, I, and, and I, I do, I, I do think there's value in that. I think there's value in inoculation. You know, we I don't, let's not get down the um, vaccination. Um, debate but you know there's there's that's why it's there there's value in in inoculation um i don't think it's the answer to everything um and like i say it's it's certainly not rescuing the people that that really are, are already kind of out or on their way out um you say 90 you say 90 and 9 julian but i'm sure there's only about 20 left 
it stops the, the ones in that 20 from feeling mad <laughs> because yeah. there's people yeah. to talk to. So, yeah. Like, I, I get what you're saying. Um, and actually, I think you're. I think you're right in that. I think this wasn't so much about the questions as providing the tools. Um, like, like you're saying, Laura, it's it's a culture. If people actually listen to him and don't get freaked out by the fact that someone in your class is asking a question and it's a tough question, and that's going to be huge. That's going to it, it will help a lot of people not to leave in that moment now what happens years down the line who knows the reality is i think most of us here apologetics doesn't work it's it's not good it's the answers are insufficient when when a marriage is going to end if 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 someone's been cheating in a marriage sometimes you can work through it and the answers you get when you're working that through are sufficient sometimes Whatever you say, it's not going to be sufficient. And for bloody good reason, right? Sometimes those answers are not okay for me. So the polygamy answers. You know, there's lots of things that, that you know, I'm like, no, this, this isn't right. That I would want to push back against. But this wasn't about um, providing those answers. What I'm really excited about is the fact that if during these classes, people can like Gillian, you know, you're saying we, we could tell the answers were insufficient for a lot of people. You know, someone unmuted their mic and jumped in. You know, we, we could hear it in the audio of the people who were there. People were, you know, were, were kind of wanting a little bit more. What happens when we're having that, uh, you know, sort of real life discussion that, look, this uh, apologetic thing isn't working? If you stick to the other stuff about what do we do when it's painful or if it's not working that's the gold that what that's what rescues people that's what saves you from madness but if we're all going to pretend that the answers are sufficient then i think you know we do end up feeling gaslit and we do end up feeling more isolated okay and he and he promoted both he spoke both and that's the frustration he yeah. said we got the answers, but then he said it's important to acknowledge people's pain and frustration. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to rein you in because we've we've got a lot um, to get through, especially if we're going to get to uh, some of the meat of what what was said. Uh, I hope that they can be spaces, but but we do have something kind of strange in our our culture right now, uh, kind of a church culture that just kind of. Put some of the pieces together this way, that if you ask a question, you must uh, be doubting. And if you doubt, you don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you must not have a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, why are you here? And all of those things are not ever really spoken, but, but they're felt. And there's kind of a sense that you shouldn't ask questions or uh, don't let anybody know you're asking questions. And I think we just need to really uh, push back against this and turn this around. Uh, and and we explicitly will do these in these settings with uh, young adults and emphasize that uh, Jesus teaches repeatedly the different variations of the instruction to ask, seek, knock, come unto him. He's repeatedly uh, telling us that to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we seek, we ask, we're curious, we inquire. Uh, the restoration, of course, begins with questions. I hope you can do everything in in your power to to make it a safe place to ask questions.
Part of it was the way the educational system works in the United States, was that they had spent a lot of time kind of studying textbooks and doing worksheets and memorizing things for exams, but they, they don't really get uh, guidance and training to, to be curious and wonder and think. Over time, they saw that it, was, that it was safe, that it was fun, that we could talk about things that they really wanted to, to know about. And so uh, this is something that, uh, that you can share with them and, and, and demonstrate and, and exemplify that asking questions together is, is a great thing to do. Unmuted in true Zoom style. <laughs> um, we're going to come back to Keith, but what he said there is asking questions is a great thing to do. And I think that's exactly what we're going to do right now. Um, something that was amazing, as Peter said, was there was such little uptake from the general membership um, that it meant that there was plenty of room for us. Um, but I think the first question I want to start with um, is one that I think everyone probably would would want to ask and that is why is it taken so long um and it wasn't one of us who asked that question um it was someone who was actually in the congregation um in chorley for the general membership and they, they were quite brave if i'm honest um, I think there might yeah, be in the chat. So, um, first, I'm going to have two questions. So, one is, um, why has this discussion about history taken so long? So, Roberts in the early part of the 20th century raised a lot of these issues to the first presidency, and um, he was pushed back. Um, Community of Christ, or RRDS as it were then, they dealt with all these historical issues in the 60s, but the LDS Church, maybe the Brighamites, looked the other way. Um, why is it taking so long for um, the true history, I guess, the real history, to be published in the Gotham Topic Essays when it's been known about for so many years? It does feel like um, there's been a deliberate ignoring or whitewashing on the part of the church, um, and that whitewashing has caused um, a lot of pain to a lot of people. Um, People have been excommunicated. So I'm thinking about Thomas Murphy, Fawn Brody, John DeLynn. All these people have been excommunicated for spreading this up, which is now in the Gospel, gospel Topics essays. So in some ways, it, one is why it took so long. And then the other one, I don't think we've got a history problem. We've got a, uh, an honesty problem, I think it's a. Um, the church has been, I would argue, is in, you know, institutionally, morally, um, at fault here for uh, for treating the people, uh, you know, just just treating people who who shared history so badly. So two questions there, quite big ones, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> the balls yeah. on that guy. Can I just say I, I'm not I'm not going to name him because if you want to name yourself in the chat, I think you're in there. Yeah, but but I do want to shout him out because he's he's one of the the Sunstone UK massive. He's one of one of our crew, and uh, and I thought that was just an amazing question, especially being in person. Well really, done, really well done. That kind of been comfortable. Yeah, and and um, Keith, with with all the answers, yeah, on the screen, on the screen. No, uh, those are great questions. I'm glad you asked them. Uh, I'll start with the first one. 
There you go. These are great questions. I'm glad you asked them. No matter what you said to him, you could have offered him a shit pie and he just said, yeah, this is a glad. great pie. A great pie. Oh, I'm it, glad you gave it me. My other question with, that I thought it'd be great to say, um, can I just ask the question, what wouldn't be a good question? <laughs> just to see if there was anything that he could come up with. Yeah. So this, um, this particular one, um, uh, Mark Johnson, yes, it was him, Mark. Well done. I gave you the MJ there. Um, but yes, you have outed yourself in the chat and you I just couldn't believe it. Um we were cheering. This was in a, <laughs> we the general membership swimming. meeting. So I think online there was about 290 people um watching, and I'm I'm assuming it was a reasonably full chapel in Chorley. So just just well done. Uh, that, and and I think as as someone who you know I I would have loved them to come and have all of these answers, right? I, I mean, it is what it what it is. But um, realistically speaking, as you know, as close to a TBM as as I think um, I'm willing to get, those are the questions that people have. Those are the reasons why people are leaving. And what I loved about how um, Mark was was phrasing it was it was so non-confrontational, but you could hear how much it bloody mattered because it does matter. Now, the, sadly, the uh, and I loved also that that um, that our Keith didn't even flinch. You know, he he kept the eye contact. He didn't look away and feel awkward. You know, he gave us all permission to listen to that question, no matter where we were in the journey. And I, I you know, kudos for that. Um, what then happens is insufficient for for me, and I believe it was for Mark from what I could hear of the response to. Yeah. Well, let's let's see. One, which is about uh, why it would take so long. And I may, I think I'll push back a little on your timeline and your framing uh, <laughs> to say, well, to agree with the things you've raised. Uh, the church has been, has been talking about many of these questions for a very long time, B.H. Roberts. Uh, things have been published in the, uh, the improvement era. As soon as the church acquired the Egyptian papyrus fragments in 1967, those were published. Uh, and so, so I, I, on one hand, I want to say, let's not oversimplify it to say, we never talked about things before, and now all of a sudden we did. So I, I think that's a, an error in, in the framing. And so we want to we be able to see, yes, people asked the questions, people thought about them, people uh, wrote about them, people published about them. I think another important thing to see, and this is a hard thing to see, is our very own context. Uh, we are living in the, what, what commentators, historians regularly describe as the information age. And, and I want to intentionally make this bigger than the internet. Some people just say, well, we have the internet and so it's different now. I think that's also an oversimplification because uh, what makes our in information age so uh, exciting is uh, not only is there an internet that connects us, but there's also uh, microcomputing that puts the computer in my pocket. And there are satellites all around the planet that can move uh, data and information. The quantity of information doubles every uh, just under two years. And so we're literally uh, swimming in all kinds of information. And so, for example, uh, if the church were to publish something about the Seer Stone in the Children's Friend in 1974, which it did, 
How are you going to find that in 1975? You know, the, our method of disseminating information in the past was to, to mostly to print something. Or, you know, you can make a movie or make a radio broadcast. Radio broadcasts were ephemeral. There was no way to, to kind of capture those in, in personal ways. So part of what's changed now is so much information is close. President Nelson gave a talk about Book of Mormon uh, translation, the Seer Stone, that whole process, in 1992 to a, a mission president seminar. They thought, wow, this is a great talk. Members of the church should know it. So what channel did they have to do that? Today, you could post that in the newsroom, and the talk would be available instantly. The brethren speak to the mission presidents, and they say, here's what they said this morning to the, the new mission presence. Well, in 1992, the channel was, you put it in the end sign, and they had, you know, the first pregnancy message in the beginning, so it goes in the back, in the speaking today. And this is back when the end sign was 90 pages long, really small font. So in 1994, if you wanted to, to read that information from 1992, number one, you had to have a physical copy of the end sign, and number two, you had to have read all the way to the end in 1992 to remember Oh, there it is. And so just, uh, I think, an important part of what um, we're thinking about today is that uh, the information landscape has changed. And so, so sometimes people will say, you know, oh, the church has been hiding this, when in reality what I think they mean is I didn't know this. Uh, I'm, and, and, but we've, we've jumped to a narrative rather than I didn't know a thing, now I know a thing, oh, I learned. We jump from, I didn't know a thing, now I know a thing, someone was hiding it from me. And I think that's just an oversimplification uh, in, in many of the many times. So now, as far as the current Can we, can we stop there before we get to, to uh, part there was two a time, and so now of his BS tirade? Mm. He's just, yeah, just spewing forth stuff, <laughs> right? Just to misdirect. <laughs> Mark very clearly gave an example of another institution with a shared history that was able to deal with it in the 60s. Right. He gave an example. Community of Christ have dealt with it. I noticed a lot of what Keith did because he did it on some of my questions was when he said, I want to I want to push back on the timeline. Right. And then doesn't actually give any clarification to the timeline. He always he always tries to to pick fault with the question rather than address it. And that is a problem that we you know, we're talking here about, oh, he's modeling this for people. He's modeling that for people. What we don't want to see modeled is I hear your question. Let me tell you how your question is the wrong question. And then let mm. me tell you what I want to tell you. Because that's yeah. what he just did to Mark, and it's unacceptable, frankly. Sorry. It, and, and again, can I just say, it's typical inoculation. Mm. So you set up a straw man, deal with that, and everyone gets to go away thinking, oh, mm. he answered the question. He, you know, I want to say everyone. I, I don't mean us. Again, it just, it just shows that everybody, probably everybody that's listening to these, it's not for them. It's for the people that don't really have questions. Mm. If they've got questions, it's too late. It's too late because they've looked. Um, and it's, so this is for the people that, that don't have questions. I think he kept letting slip that he knows this is BS because he went to two incredibly obscure references about the seer stone, which, they, which the apologists keep bringing up, that in the children's friend, how is that informing the adult membership of the church? Yeah. It got a passing reference there. It was mentioned in some other tiny thing. We devoured the enzymes. We knew mm -hmm. what mattered to the church because they yeah. repeated it over and over. They repeated it in general conference, hour after hour. 
same article or same content in the enzymes over and over. If they wanted us to know this mm -hmm. bit of history, we'd have known it inside out, just like we knew their official narrative inside yeah. out. Gospel so doctrine lessons, nonsense. it would have just been in the manual because yeah. gospel doctrine lessons were taught from the manual. It's not like come follow me now where you get to have a happy-go-lucky mm. discussion based around a couple of scriptures. It was you had some bloke in a poorly fitting suit stood in front of you reading out of a book. And if it was written in the book, you would have heard it. One yes. of my later questions, which we won't have time for, is um, but I asked him when when is the are the actual gospel topics essays going to be the main feature in the mainstream curriculum and not just footnotes? Because as we all know, they're playing a game here. They're keeping the older McConkie Mormons from ever reading the gospel mm. topics essays or knowing they exist by hiding them in footnotes as plausible deniability. But the, the Gospel Topics essays are eight years old. They've never appeared just here they are in the Enzyme or Lion Hona, and they've never appeared just as part of the thing. And he said, well, they are. we have now got an institute class to do with the Gospel Topics essays effectively or addressing some of that material. Uh, there's an institute course. And he goes on and then he waffled on about how it's all online now. And if you go hunting around on the internet, and isn't that the best place for it? And someone commented in response to that straight away, yeah, exactly, where only the young people will see it and none of the older members will ever encounter it. Um, and that is, that is, so he is absolutely playing, intentionally playing this game of separating those who know from those who don't and hoping they never meet. Mm. Which awesome. is, but, but in five seconds of Googling, the ones who never knew find out and they leave the church because it crashes their testimony because they're still being lied to. Jane? I, I don't feel like he is I, I feel like if you called out that um uh, if this whole meeting had just focused on that one question it would have been an excellent meeting mm. if we were following up with you know with questions if, if Mark had got to you know finish off when he was trying to say look this hasn't fully answered my question um and he was already moving on to something else I think we would have got more I I think I think he's trying to do nuance and there isn't really the time to do nuance in this setting. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I think some something before we hear from him again, Mark, um, I just asked, spoken to Mark privately in the chat and he says someone asked him after the meeting if he answered the question um, and he just said to them, no. Um, so I don't know if that was a, a church leader or someone who singled him out, um, seeing as well, he kind of singled himself out standing up with a microphone. And we could but, all hear it. Everybody could see that that question had and hear that that question had not yeah. been answered. Because well, what's, the, what's the honest thing to do is for him to say, okay, well, you're telling me that Community of Christ managed this. They, in the 60s, would have had this same communication issue and dissemination issue. They clearly weren't sticking stuff in the children's magazine, hoping that that would do something. So he could have said, what did Community of Christ do? Enlighten me, inform me, teach I'm, I'm, me. What did they do? I'm going to push back on you, Nemo, because I'm going to push back on your timeline. Mm -hmm. Community of Christ. <laughs> Community of Christ have filled in a gap. Uh, they, they've they've yeah. filled in the gap. Something that you'll see Keith loves to say is when when there's only uh, ten points of reference or or contemporary accounts, mm. there's a lot of gaps there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we try the not entire to first presidency have said it in general conference, but but what about the other members of the quorum of the twelve apostles? What about them? Yeah, 
Well, let's let's see what Keith had to say about the lying sons of bitches. I'll speak yeah. specifically about church history away from uh, the broader kind of question. There was a time when there was not a church historian and recorder. And in 2005, President Hinckley uh, reappointed a church historian and recorder, and that was Elder Marlon K. Jensen. And, and so in 2005, oh, yeah. the church history department began to start to hire people, to, to start working on projects. Oh, yes. The first project, the first really huge project we picked up was the Joseph Smith Papers, which we're still uh, working on. But simultaneously, we were pushing forward uh, with, uh, by 2008, we were always now saints, and that took 10 years to put together. You can't... Uh, one of my favorite blog posts I saw, somebody was, was commenting on wonderful things that President Nelson had done. And President Nelson became president of the church in January. Saints Volume 1 came out in September. And they said, wow, President Nelson became president of the church, and they published Saints. And we just kind of laughed and said, well, the first presidency told us to start that in 2008. It just takes time to do research and write. And anybody who's written a history book uh, knows that it, that it takes time. So... So where we are in church history is, is, that's our starting line. When we, when we sit in the department and, and work on things, uh, that's where, where we start from. And so uh, the Gospel Topics essays came, came together in that same uh, context. It was 2008, 2009, when we kind of uh, conceived the project. They started to be published in uh, 2013, 2014, 2015, and so, um, so I don't. Uh... Keith now goes on for about five more minutes um, and basically edges around the topic that Mark brought up of the church being dishonest and mm -hmm. just delivers, um, as he's already done, a list of reasons. It's almost like a, a, a kid going to school and he's not got his homework and the teacher says why and he says the <coughs> dog ate it. And that's where we are at this point with uh, his answer. He's, he's um, the, the church didn't have an histori historian for so many years. It wasn't until 2005 that we started doing Gosh. this. This because they time. fired them. They fired Leonard Arrington, the actual his qualified historian. And when they restored the role, I think there's only been one actual qualified historian being the church historian. All the others have been lawyers. Yeah. Like over and over again, which shows what they really mean about transparency. And and just contrast that. Oh, it took us 10 years to produce Saints, which is basically a very simply written novel. It with takes one a while to timeline. Know, write fiction. So, yeah, I mean, Barbara Carton used to chuck them out every month. But um, but at the same time, the bloggernacle, the real historians the people doing the research have produced libraries full of books much more intensively and accurately analyze and accurately analyzing church history there are huge communities online discussing these all intensively and bringing that hive mind and dialogue you know the performance of the nuanced mormons and the post mormons in actually recording discussing and verifying history compared to this shonky slow mo um, ineptitude that comes out of the church office building when they could afford anything they've got hundreds of billions of dollars they could pay entire universities full of historians to do any amount of research they want as fast as they need it you know they can afford that they have the resources but they choose not to do it they still we have this amateur clunky attack the church thing based on you know, 
this Apologies. is his final comments if you want to show that one i don't know it's just the last couple of minutes that he said giving that vision of how it could be better but also with some more disingenuous stuff i don't know yeah. if you meant to click on that but just no play i, I that think bit. We've, <laughs> we we have got so much to get through okay um, so. all mm. the the full answers will be posted mm. um yeah. Yeah. on the on the page after this but they're like three and a half hours long and we've we've not got time I think if we were to give um, a full rundown of the whole three and a half hours, it would take us about seven. And, um, and I think, PD, that's the case for him too. I, you know, I really feel, I think that's, that's okay, I'm, I'm being generous here, but it's a part, a tiny part of why um, so many people didn't feel satisfied by this. Now, what is satisfying is his approach. But as soon as you get... So last night, um, I'm up late um, listening to a, a virtual fireside by, you know, Laura, Laurel Thatcher Ulrich was, was giving it from Claremont Mormon Studies. Fantastic with much um, more satisfactory apologetic type approaches to these exact same questions. Talking about how, you, I, like, I instinctively hear this stuff and want to get into the apologetics and push back and talk with Mark and, you know, have a discussion about it. Having to present an answer is not satisfying because the apology, we know it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So, I'm much more interested in how this was being received and, and what's going to happen next with it. Yeah. And, and um, we, we jump back to Peter's video here um, and it kind of uh, goes with what Keith was just saying. Keith was saying that the reason it's taken so long is because um, they were behind um, because they didn't have a historian and they were playing catch up from 2005 for all those years. Um <laughs> But Keith also says here um, uh, about uh, how they had been gathering things. Let's just have a quick listen. On our history, and this is not news. In fact, this is really kind of old, and sometimes it's really, really repetitive. Uh, sometimes it takes decades for a, a question to resurface. On the internet today, people have an attention span of four or five minutes, and so things will surface over and over again. On the screen is an advertisement in London in 1922 for the latest technological innovation, a silent film. And so here's the advertising for the film Trapped by the Mormons. Now, I know that the people who create TikTok videos today think they invented the genre, but this is really kind of old, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, uh, there's not a lot new going on in this space. In fact, you may be interesting to know that among the church's historical collection is the world's largest collection of anti-Mormon literature. Uh. Now, why do we do that? Well, the main reason is because God said so. In section 123 of, of the Doctrine and Covenants, there are, are, is an excerpt from a letter uh, in which the saints are instructed, after having been expelled from Missouri, to gather up histories, magazines, publications that are, and I love these adjectives, libelous, nefarious, and that, that demonstrate diabolical rascality. That was the instruction from the Lord after the saints were expelled from Missouri and had suffered all of those things. There are things had been published. The Lord commanded them to gather them and 
we continue to gather them. Today, we've moved beyond books and encyclopedias and magazines to include all other forms of media. Some yeah, the Strengthening films, Church Members uh, Committee. Hockey films, uh, things from the internet and so forth. I'm not clear on how he got to answer a question that had never been asked and how he started to go down that route of, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think anybody who's dabbled in um, family history is kind of, you, you look at old newspapers from, you know, from, from years ago, those adverts come up in it. This isn't used to your audience for the most part either. But what I what I really, really gets me is to to suggest um there's anything to do with people's attention span. I just I find that really offensive. Those are these are one of my getting my hump up moments. So some of Mormon Story's most lengthy podcasts are some of its most popular. Peter, how come so many people are listening to hours and hours worth of you talking about minute <laughs> points that can be improved or can be changed or have you thought about things this way? This is not an attention span issue. When the material is interesting and we're learning and we're stimulated, then we will listen. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there we're having to go to other places to get things that are going to help us learn about mm. the church the gospel but most importantly church history since that's what he's talking about this moment <laughs>